You're listening to Campus Review Radio. I'm Patrick Avenal and I'm the news editor for Campus Review. Professor Carolyn McMillan is the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Newcastle. She spoke with Campus Review about the impact of the budget and the funding cuts therein, and I started by asking her for her first thoughts on these changes. I think we are clear that there will be those uh, the 2.5% efficiency dividends uh, in 18 and 19. I think we're pretty clear that um, there will be a extension, uh, there will be a, a decrease in Commonwealth uh, funding to support student places with a concomitant uh, parallel increase in student contribution. Um, and I think we understand, therefore, that that will move uh, the Commonwealth from 58 to 54 and um, uh, the student from uh, 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 sorry, uh, 42 to 46. And uh, reasonably, that's a, that's a reasonable impost on students. Um, and, and I think the, the, in the other side of the ledger, we're seeing the demand-driven system or rather the Commonwealth-supported uh, places being opened up to sub-bachelor programs and we're seeing the enabling programs uh, being retained um, in a different form. And, um, and then there's, a, there's, a, there's an array of um, the 7.5% performance contingency pieces um, and quite um, how they're going to operate, um, which is, uh, you know, really uh, something about which the detail will, will come. Uh, but at the moment, we know there's the intent uh, to um, uh, have performance contingencies based on measures set, as it were, by the, the government. And what's your sort of qualitative assessment of the of the changes in the budget? How does it make you feel? Uh, look, I, I have to be I, I have to be disappointed um, by an increase in student contribution um, because uh, it is tough on students. We're, we're in a region where uh, close to sixty percent of our students are mature age school leavers. Um, it's a, a region and transition so uh, financially people can be doing it a bit tough um, and to invest um, often you know with family commitments uh, car and home loans and all the expenses of, of lives that we know to have to invest that bit more and um, I know it's in our front line but it's still um, you know uh, carrying that impost and I, I think that can uh, you know, people can be debt sensitive um, at, uh, at that time in their um, in their career, uh, so how and what way we respond to that, I think, is important. So um, I have to be disappointed when student contributions go up. How do you feel about the the narrative that's been played out over the last week from the government and from some sections of the media? that universities are a drain on the economy and that they're a necessary evil rather than being an important part of our infrastructure and uh, sort of, you know, civic life? Look, uh, firstly, I I think that narrative uh, occurs periodically uh, in Australia um, every few years. And then what usually happens is a, a rather more informed narrative comes in to take its place, um, drawing attention to um, the remarkable work at 
universities have done uh, to be the third leading export industry um, in this country. And they've done so um, across a period of time where other major industries have fallen by the wayside. And so they have been adaptable, they've been resilient, they have um, had policy churn effects, um, they have had to consistently deliver to a world standard and in any world terms are um, really delivering well above you know, our population base. We've had the previous chief scientists and the current chief scientists draw attention to the asset we have in terms of knowledge that can drive new businesses and new um, industries. And we're demonstrably doing that. And we are. And there's a lot rise for Australia on the ability of universities to really support the innovation agenda and to deliver the know-how. And, and not only in Australia, but Australia has an asset of a most remarkable suite of academics who themselves move in the very top echelons of global academies who will ensure that when um, countries in Asia are seeking um, partners um, in terms of driving their innovation agenda, Australia will be not only at the table, but because we have partnerships with our industry partnerships, can bring industries and businesses into the global supply chain. So I would say that if you're looking in the rear view mirror, if you think a university looks like the university you went to 40 years ago, or if you haven't had that opportunity to step inside a university and understand you know, that it is a welcoming place for a diverse group of students who are bright and able and talented and can offer you a really um, different career in a world in which the future workforce is, is changing. And then you might have those views, but they are old views. They are not new news. The, uh, the government speaks of efficiency dividends to be sort of taken out of universities. Is, is there, are there ways for universities to sort of enact those efficiency dividends and save money, or is it just a case of you have to charge the student the extra money to make up the shortfall? Um, look, I don't think we'll be able um, to chat the students are already, but the price, as it were, of their degree is already set um, by the, the cost of rates, and the Commonwealth pays its proportion, which will go down, and the students will pay its proportion that will go up. But there won't be any increase in revenue to the university um, because it's, it's a neutral uh, equation. And um, if we have fewer students, um, because the price has gone up, then of course revenue will go down on top of the 2.5% cut. So universities um, consistently um, seek absolutely um, operational efficiencies. They're consistently trying to do more with less. We have um, a you know a increase in casualisation of our workforce. Um, and that's well known. And that increase in casualisation is um, how can we continue to invest in growing, you know, uh, a sort of uh, ongoing 
like to have um, you know, jobs that they can rely on, not contract by contract. But in a changing uh, environment where a 2.5% of your uh, Commonwealth grant scheme can be taken out um, as a cut, it's very difficult to, um, to manage that while investing um, in uh, anything with a certainty that, that goes on for you know, longer than sometimes as a political cycle. For people listening to this that might not have sort of like, you know, a, an intimate understanding of how university funding works, when these cuts happen, does it have a material change to the education that a student receives? Look, I think um, universities, are, are, we hold ourselves to quality and we are quality, you know, quality assurance. And so um, what I think you see is... Um, Staff give that a little bit extra, you know, they're prepared to stay back at the end of the day. Um, they're prepared to, um, to, you know, for them, students are and their education is the reason they're there. And so they are consistently will put in, they'll do that bit more research. Um, you know, many academics uh, work very long hours because they're dealing with both teaching and research. So um, in terms of quality assurance and in terms of how universities um, compare to some of the issues we've seen in, in other sectors, we, we've seen that universities consistently deliver the quality in education and in research. Um, but reasonably, I do think you'd have to look to the casualisation of the workforce. Um, so these are very good people, but there is a price to pay with not having a secure role or a secure, a secure job. And, and that tends to come into um, institutions when we are not certain we can commit over the long haul. Uh, very quickly, Newcastle is a regional university. Would you like to see uh, the government take uh, sort of... Uh have different strategies for how they sort of fund and interact with the regional sector as than the major city universities? Well, well look, what I would say is um, the role and mission of a regional university is certainly different from a university in the CBD, but I would have the same expectations of performance of a university uh, no matter where it was located. I think that's really important. We have in Newcastle a complete commitment to equity and enabling programs. We have 3,000 enabling students. Uh, that's about 12% of the nation's enabling students. We have a thousand, over 1,000 Indigenous students. That's the highest number of any Australian university. But my view is, and they come from all parts of regions and parts of New South Wales, we have over a quarter low SES students. But Patrick, my view is our role is to give them a first-rate education. I mean, students should be in an environment where you know we've moved 50 places up in the times higher and QS rankings to be in the top 250. We have disciplines in the top 50, 100, 200. We're in the top eight in the Education Research Australia. So we bring, and at the university, I think there's only one or two who are in the top quartile for equity and the top quartile for excellence. And I think that's what we should aspire to have across all our regional universities because that is what really brings 
Um, you know, that head to 50 degrees, students who can have global mobility and who will come back to their um, region as Indigenous or non-Indigenous leaders and really begin to take the region um, um, forward because and they are the leaders of the future. So I think the university's role is to ensure no matter where it's located, it's adding that value through its global connectedness of its staff, its students, and being able to offer them pathways through to the very best degree, and then making certain that they um, you know, uh, do see themselves, and, and they do because there's strong affiliation to the region they uh, come from, but they really then drive uh, that next step economic transition in the region they're part of. So I, I would never trade um, equity and excellence. They're mutually key. Um, is it uh, doing it tough in regions? It can be to deliver that. And I do think that um, governments, in a sense, understanding, uh, having a more nuanced understanding of the critical roles of regional universities and the different sorts of opportunities they offer. And they sometimes can be sort of grouped all in, in one and, um, you know, uh, nobody ever refers to Cambridge as a regional university. <laughs> you, when, when, when you speak about that, you speak very passionately and very powerfully. I just wonder, when you, when you speak to the education minister or his department, do you feel as though they listen and, as intently to that sort of power and that passion? Look, I, I think Minister Birmingham is genuinely committed to the equity agenda. And I think he had uh, choices in this last budget to um, dismantle enabling programs and not to bring the uh, sub-bachelor programs into the uh, Commonwealth Grant Scheme. I think the fact he has done both and also maintained um, uh, some funding for the higher education uh, participation and program, partnership program, is really um, a signal of that. So um, I think that uh, you know those are very powerful signals in themselves. And I would say that uh, that has to come uh, when a minister does actually uh, see the benefit of uh, higher education uh, giving people a different future.